Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's week three of our series on Like a Tree, and it's, um, it's been so exciting to be going over um, this material. The Lord is, I believe, really speaking to us as a, as a congregation, as a church body. And um, we know that it's all anchored in Psalm 1. We hope that you're memorizing uh, Psalm 1 over these weeks, especially during the fast. Could we put that up? Uh, um, the key verses of Psalm 1, do we have that? The key verses of Psalm 1 is, is this. Uh, this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Everyone, he is like a tree. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. We're going to be talking about this today. That yields its fruit in its seasons, and its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. How many want to praise God today that he causes us to prosper and to grow and to be healthy, privately healthy and publicly fruitful? And what we're going to be looking at today is something that is universal to everyone's private life and also universal to the way trees grow. And it all happens in private or for a tree uh, it's what goes on underground. And what I want to do today is I want to show it to you before I explain it to you because of the nature of what we're going to be talking about today. So I want to give you two quick examples of our topic this morning. And at first we want you to listen to a 50-second clip regarding last year's Super Bowl MVP, Tom Brady. He's arguably the most prolific quarterback in NFL's NFL history. He's 40 years old and still growing strong. It's very likely that he'll be heading to the Super Bowl again this year. And um, there was some controversy uh, uh, about him, and we won't get into all of that, but I just want you to listen to this radio clip. Yeah. The thing, Bill, he's never gotten over being replaced by Drew Henson at Michigan as a senior. Right. He's never gotten over that scar his whole life. It's actually driven him. It's actually what has fueled the Brady phenomenon. It made him work hard. It made him go from being the worst bodied quarterback to ever come through an NFL draft, ever. I know guys who did that. One of my best friends in the world, Dr. Steve O'Brien, who is family, said he was the worst-looking quarterback prospect I ever gave a physical to. And he, came, he became Tom Brady because he worked and he lifted and he did everything he had to do and threw a 1,000 passes a day and he became Tom Brady, was driven by that failure or driven by that benching, and it made him who he was. It's, it's it's what drives him today. Brady is driven. But you know what? Anyone who accomplishes anything is driven. Right. Being driven is what makes you accomplish things. Now listen, after being in the NFL for 15 years, winning five Super Bowls, breaking virtually every quarterback record that there is, they're now highlighting his lifestyle training system. It's called TB12. And in that training system, he has a very specific diet. Tom Brady has never eaten a strawberry. He refuses to touch a cup of coffee. Have mercy on him, Lord. Listen. He will not eat a tomato because he believes that it causes inflammation. He and his wife, who's also a supermodel, they are mega wealthy, mega successful. You would think with all the millions of dollars that they have, you'd think that they would go and sample the finest of foods in the greatest restaurants all over the world. But they are the most disciplined eaters that you could ever imagine. The best story, I, there was an article in the ESPN about this. 
And uh, the article mentions that when Tom Brady's dad goes to dinner at his house, as soon as he and his mother leave the house, he turns to his, to his mother or to his wife and says, so where are we going to eat? <laughs> because they must eat like cardboard or I don't know what, what it is that they eat. You see, everything that Tom Brady does is fueled by his desire to win. For Tom Brady, eating is not for pleasure. Eating is fuel for winning. Now, here's another athlete. He's on the opposite end of the spectrum. And I want you to listen to the closing lines of David Robinson's uh, acceptance speech when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Go ahead and play that. I'm going to tell you the one thing that I'm, uh, I was thinking the other day about a story uh, from the Bible is from Luke, uh, the 17th chapter. And it was a story about 10 lepers that were healed by Jesus. And one of them came back. And one of them fell on his knees before him and said thank you. And honored him and, and blessed him. And, and I just want to say thank you. God has followed me in my career, and he has blessed me, and he has strengthened me, and he's encouraged me. And if anybody who knows me or anybody who has watched me, you have seen his hand in my life. And my prayer is that he will walk with you as he has walked with me all through my life. So thank you very much. Have a great day. Hallelujah. Powerful. Now look, David and Tom are both champions but they were fueled by very different things. In the end, everyone is fueled by something. The second primary purpose of a tree's root system is to secure fuel. Roots not only anchor a tree, but roots reach down for living water. And when they're immersed in the soil, they extract the nutrients. They are getting fuel for the purpose of becoming fruitful. When the Bible says that we are called to live like trees, it is teaching us that what fuels us is vitally, vitally important. And now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to make a jump. Okay, I'm going to ask you to make a jump from the natural into the spiritual and the eternal. This jump is the same jump that Jesus asked his disciples 2,000 years ago. It's the same jump that he's asking us to make today. And Jesus is going to uh, teach his disciples about fuel He's going to teach his disciples about what should drive them. And even before we read this, I want to just say this to you. He's going to teach us two very important things, okay. Here's what we're going to learn from this story in the Bible uh, uh, that Jesus wants to teach us. Number one, we're going to learn that there's more that feeds than physical food. Brothers and sisters, there is more that feeds than physical food. Number two. What fueled him should be what fuels us. So everybody look at me for a second. So we could string a long line of successful people. People who are, quote, prosperous. And if they were to give, quote, a testimony, they would give a testimony uh, that would be very different in regards to what fuels their lives. Oprah might say, hey, I heard she might be running for president. If you heard Michael Jordan's acceptance speech, it was very different from David Robinson's. And he talked about what fueled him. Actually, it was all of the, the, the many failures of his life. He was fueled by the fact that he was cut from his high school team. Everyone can be fueled by different things. But what Jesus wants to teach us, if we want to be like a tree, if we want to anchor ourselves in God, planted by streams of living water, we have to remember that, it, that what fueled him should be what fuels us. And so we're going to look at a story now, quick background, in John chapter 4. We're going to look at a story where Jesus is actually uh, um, teaching the disciples this lesson. And he's doing it because he was in a place that he, he normally would not be. 
unless he was led there by God. He was talking to a person that the average Jewish man normally would not speak to unless he was led by God. And his disciples went off to get lunch. And when they come back to talk to him, Jesus has just had a powerful encounter with a woman. Here's what he says. It says, meanwhile, his disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone, the disciples asked each other. Here's the jump. Everyone listen. Here's the jump. They're talking about food. They're going, what's up with Jesus? I thought we were supposed to get lunch. He's talking about something completely different. Okay. He says, I've got food that you don't know anything about. Let's keep going. It says, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. I want to read that one more time. My nourishment, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they, they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you did not plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather, uh, you will get to gather the harvest. I want to pray today and ask the Lord to help each one of us to make that jump from the natural. You see, if, if uh, you really want to experience deep and profound transformation in 2018, if you really want to be like a tree, you have to make a jump. Something powerful and profound has to happen. We have to change what fuels us. And the title of the message today is, is your fuel. And I want to pray that God would do this work. It is God's will. The Bible says that it is to his glory that we bear much fruit. You see, but the fruit takes place as a result of what happens in our private lives. Remember, your private life your root system is your relationship with God that no one sees. And that's what, we're, that's what we're talking about. Your relationship with God that no one sees. Your relationship with God that no one sees. This is vitally important. So could we, could we close our eyes and open up our hearts and ask the Lord to really speak to us today. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that by your mighty power, Lord, that we would have a real encounter with you today. Lord, throughout the ages, in the Bible and then after, Lord, the canon was closed. Lord, you continue to meet people and you continue to fuel their lives with your good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I pray, Lord God, that you would teach us to get a hold of your will for our lives. Bless this word. Bless our time together. We're trusting you to do it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. You know, recently I walked away, I was just about to walk away from one of our meetings at the altar. And I had a young man, and he actually was really smiling. I could tell he had a good time at the altar as he met God. And, um, but he said to me, he said, Pastor, would you pray for me? He said, I need to forgive. He said, I have to forgive. Like, it's like he got the revelation. I have to forgive. It was as if he was saying, I don't want unforgiveness to be the thing that fuels me anymore. I don't want pain to be the thing that drives me anymore. I need to let that go. 
I want to be about other things. The Holy Spirit wants to energize us based on the will of God as opposed to based on what's happened to us, where we've been, or even uh, some silly, silly kind of pipe dream that we might have. How many know God's plan for our lives is the best plan that we could ever receive? How many would say amen? Amen. So what does this passage teach us, teach us about our fuel? Number one, it teaches us that our fuel should be the will of God. What fuels him should fuel us. Okay. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Okay, he's talking about the will of God and what he's saying is, look, what fuels me is, is what should fuel you. And here's the key, guys. You will not know the will of God unless you seek him in private. You see, you can't figure out the will of God for yourself. You can't manufacture the plan of God. His thoughts are way higher than I thought, our thoughts, and his ways are much higher than our ways. And we don't tell God what we're supposed to do. How many know God tells us what we're supposed to do? How many would say amen? So listen, here's the key. You can't know the will of God unless he reveals it. He says, you don't know about this food. You don't know about this fuel, all right? And we, look at, look at how someone put it uh, um, uh, on a book on prayer. They said, he is the one who can tell us the reason for our existence, our place in the scheme of things, our real identity. It is an identity we can't discover for ourselves that others can't discover in us the mystery of who we really are. And so many people spend so much time trying to find themselves on their own. The best place to find out who you are and who you were destined to be is in the private place in the presence of God. And see, he's calling us, he's calling us, he's calling us to go to him, to be alone with him. Because when we get alone with him, there are things that he reveals to us. Now listen, in the world, people find their next closest substitute, which is your personal passion. In the world, they say, find your passion and you'll never work a day in your life. But here's the problem. The problem is that the fruit of any passion that ignores Christ as the center of the plan will ultimately, it'll all just be blown away. You see, if you make this life all about just your passion and you don't get a hold of the will of God for your life, you might be successful. There are lots of people who are successful, but in the end, will it really matter? Always remember this, only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do for Christ will last, you know. Now, the American mindset doesn't like to hear that. Because we think that our plan is better than God's plan. But let me tell you something. God's plan is a trillion times better than our plan. You see? Because it will be eternally fruitful. It will be, it will be joy unspeakable in the f and full of glory on the last day. If we will just surrender ourselves to the will of God and the plan of God. And I want to encourage everyone here. Okay, to take the time at the beginning of the year, if you don't have a personal uh, statement that is your best reflection of God's will for your life, I want to encourage you to sit down, pick a couple of life verses, and, uh, and as uh, throughout the week we're going to have questions. Please go to our website because we're going to have some questions to help you with this. Uh, everyone should just stop and try to figure out what is God's will for my life. You may not have it perfect, but let me tell you, if you seek him, you'll find him. If you ask, you shall receive. If you ask the Lord and say, Lord, now here's the thing. When Remember last week, each of these messages build on each other. When you go to him, you have to go to him as Lord. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I say? So God doesn't reveal his plan to people who are not going to the, fulfill the plan. And that's why this requires deep surrender. But when we surrender to the plan of God, he begins to unfold his beautiful 
and wonderful will. And, and I do want to give you a little piece of advice on this issue. Whenever you try to write down a mission statement, as they call it, or a, a personal life statement, always remember, start with character. Start with who you believe God wants you to be to those who are closest to you and to everyone in the world. Okay? Character follows calling. Look at the Apostle Paul. This is the way he, he uh, uh, opened it opened up Romans and many others. He said, Paul, a servant of Christ. He, he actually began with his heart and soul. Paul saw himself as a servant. That is a reflection of his character. By the way, remember, your private life is the realm of meditation. Your public life is the realm of everyone service. You see? So he begins, I'm a servant. And then, and then he says, called to be an apostle, an apostle is one who is sent by God to bring the, the, the message of the gospel set apart for the gospel of God. The mission statement of Jesus Christ was this. The son of man did not come to be served. He was the king, but he didn't come to be served as an earthly king. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I've been reading over the last month in different places. A, a month ago I was reading um, f uh, uh, some of the writings of one of the Puritans, kind of a, a mystic, uh, William Law. And uh, I'm reading Richard Bas Baxter right now. I just posted uh, that book on, on Instagram. But I want you to listen to hear William Law's mission statement. Okay, this is a great man of God who's influenced, I believe, millions of people. Since he's died. And he said, to think humbly of myself and with great charity of others. That word charity means love. It means grace. To think often of the life of Christ and propose it as a pattern to myself. This was his kind of guidance system. Part of the reason why I'm telling you this is I remember hearing Ravi Zacharias speak once and he said that one of the most edifying and clarifying exercises that anyone could perform is to sit down and try to write a statement that reveals the will of God for your life. When was the last time you really slowed your life down, okay, and, and just got out of all, shut out all the noise and said, what is your plan for me, Lord? The Bible says in Romans that his will is a good, pleasing, and perfect will. And what we need to understand, you know, it's funny because I've been serving the Lord now for over 30 years. I think over every generation there are some, certain significant shifts. What I would say is one of the most significant shifts that I have observed since I became a Christian. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 17. Is that when I first started going to church and hearing Bible teaching, the will of God was talked about with very, in, in, with very high esteem. People, pastors, preachers used to talk about the will of God, the will of God, the will of God, the will of God. You see. And now there's been, I think, a slight shift in content because people, they assign a value to themselves. And we are valuable. But they assign a value to them themselves, to their opinion, to their, to their dreams. And uh, that's the way the world lives. But let me tell you something. You will never be your best self until you surrender to the will of God. Thank you for saying a, a medium-sized amen there. But it's true. If the, if the musicians could come, I want to just move through the next couple points quickly. We need to understand that our fuel, what should drive your life and my life? The will of God. What should be the thing that, 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 uh, 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 that leads and, 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 and uh, directs you and impacts your life? The will of God. 
The will of God first, and if we do the will of God, how many know we will be fruitful in the end? How many would say amen? Okay, here's the second thing this passage teaches us. It teaches us that the will of God will fuel our days. The will of God will fuel our days. So when you look at a guy like Tom Brady, he was, he's a man on a mission. And every single day he makes all of these choices because he wants to win on the field. And now, and, and by the way, when you interview Tom Brady and they say, why do you live the way you live? He says, listen, I get to do something, okay, that the average uh, a kid dreams about. And I'm grateful for this opportunity, and I want to make the most of the opportunity that I have to play football. How many would say, man, that's like a page out of the, out of the Jesus playbook. How many would agree that we should make the most of every opportunity to bring glory and honor and praise to Jesus with our lives? Can I get a strong amen for that one? Amen. It should be the thing that energizes us. You see, God's, God wants to provide an inner fuel for us for the rest of our lives. I'm telling you, the Lord, the Lord, when, think about the book of Acts. Think about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Think about the same guys who ran from, from that night and, they, and some cursed, some denied his name. And then the spirit of God is poured out upon them. They had this profound meeting with God and they surrendered to God. And then for the rest of their lives they say, I, wanna, I literally want to die doing the will of God. Which is actually how they lived, you know. The will of God fuels us because it fills us with a purpose that is deep and powerful and it overshadows all things. Can I, can I tell you something? The first time I experienced this was when I, uh, I started in a ministry, uh, the, the ministry to drag queens. It was the first time I experienced what's called the burden of the Lord. Do you know what the burden of the Lord is? So I, I was uh, uh, in college and I remember I was taking accounting class and I uh, was having quite a battle with it. And uh, but on, on, so I was in school, I was playing baseball. I got a, I was at a D1 school in Brooklyn, LIU. But we started to go out to the West Side Highway and, and, and minister to these drag queens, men dressed like women who, who sold their bodies and then they would do tr uh, crack and and uh, if I wasn't in school, my whole life revolved around picking these guys up, getting them something to eat, bringing them to church. It's like my whole life. And I remember one day I was doing my accounting homework and we had kind of a balcony uh, in the library. And I'm doing my accounting homework, at least trying anyway. And then all of a sudden, I just broke down crying, sobbing like a baby. Because I could not stop thinking about these men living on the street. And I remember talking to someone and they, and they were saying, you know what that is, right? That's the burden of the Lord. You see? And then all of a sudden, that's, I, I wanted to be, I, I was like, I wanted to be hanging out with drag queens. You know, I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense when you're a young man, you know what I mean? That's, that's where I wanted to be. I didn't care about anything else. Do you realize that God could put a fire deep down in your belly for his plan and purposes, whatever it is, it's different for everyone. It will energize your days. Listen to what a guy from Harvard uh, Business Review said uh, about this particular issue. He said, I apply the rules of econometrics a few times a year, but I apply the knowledge of the purpose of my life every day. It is the single most useful thing I've ever heard. Can I tell you, I heard a, it just came to my mind. I remember listening to an, an interview of, of Coretta, Coretta Scott King was being interviewed by Tavis Smiley. It was one of those, uh, um, you know, commemorating Dr. King's birthday. And uh, I think they were in a church, and I think there was a choir there, and they were sitting actually on the platform talking. And, and Tavis Smiley asked her this question. He said, you know, um, he said, uh, 
you know, there was something, your, uh, Dr. King was driven by something. It was really incredible, the ability that he had to endure prison, the, the courage, all of the things that drove him. And it, he was just such an amazing person. And, and why do you think we don't see that in this generation today? And here's what she said. She said, it's because young people are not learning how to surrender their lives to the call of God. She said, you have to develop a sense of the call of God for your life. I'm telling you right now, when you develop a sense of the call of God for your life, it, it, it's subtle. It's subtle. It's as subtle as, hey, Tom, try this tomato. No, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, my goodness, try this amazing coffee. No, I'm good. Hey, try these luscious strawberries. I'm good. You see, subtle, low key. Well, let me tell you something. It impacts your life in a profound way. You don't have to advertise it when a person is called. They don't have to have a banner and signs and saying I'm called and all this kind of stuff. They just live it out. And as they live it out, they're led by God. And they bring amazing glory to God. How many would say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen, a couple more things. Number three, the will of God will fuel us with a sense of urgency. You see, acquiring the mission should not be delayed. Look at what it says. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. Imagine Jesus standing here saying, Chicago Tabernacle, wake up and look around. Imagine him saying your name, saying, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. It is harvest time. I've placed you in this time because it's harvest time. And I want to use your life for my glory. Amen. See, and a lot of people, a lot of people say, you know what, I'm going to get serious about God later. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, uh, establish my career this year in the first six months of the year. I know I've got to put my energy into my career. Or I've got to put my energy into this relationship. And then by the end of the year, here's my plan. I'm going to wrap it all up together by getting serious about God. I'll get serious about God tomorrow. I'll get serious about God in six months. You know, i got to clean some stuff up. Let me tell you, you will never clean yourself up. you got to go to Jesus because only Jesus can root you and anchor you. Only Jesus has the power to transform us. But it's urgent. It's urgent. It's now. Wake up and look around. Get a hold of the will of God. The Lord is speaking to his people. He still speaks. He still speaks to his people. Show me someone on fire for the will of God and I'll show you someone who's going to make an impact for his glory. But it's urgent. It's urgent. Listen, the will of God will help you not to be a time waster with your heart, your gifts, and your calling. Don't play with your heart. Stop wasting time, frivolous relationships. You're playing with your heart. Your heart belongs to Jesus. Hallelujah. Your heart is God's instrument, God's vessel. Stop wasting time. The will of God will say no, no, no. You see? Listen, your gifts and your talents. Remember, you might be famous, but to God it can mean nothing. Nothing. Your calling. Don't waste time with your calling. You know, I was walking around today with a, with a young man. We have, we have people in my office and they help me. And, and um, I, uh, uh, I don't consider myself to be a gifted person. But I do feel like one of the gifts that God has given me is to be able to see the call of God in people. And um, 
I just see it. I see it, man. I see it in our church. Can I tell you something? This is an amazing moment in history for us. I just read the book of Esther, and Esther was this young poor girl who was called from nowhere to become the wife of the, of the king, one of the, the queen. We won't get into all of the stories. But God chose that young woman. She was beautiful. She had all of these things. But it wasn't so that she would be on the cover of, of whatever magazine they had going that day. God made her and designed her with a very specific plan. And there came a moment in time when there was a plot to destroy all of the Jews. And God had chosen her. And they told her, it is for such a time as this that you've been raised up. And I want to declare that to everyone today. It is for such a time as this. It is for such a time as this, young man. It is for such a time as this. We need young people who are on fire for God, not distracted, not confused, but clear and focused and ready to do God's will. We need young married couples who are so full of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that they are showing and modeling the beauty of really loving Jesus and loving one another. Our culture needs to be transformed by healthy marriages. You see, listen, listen, the will of God, put that slide back up, please. The will of God will help us not to be a time wasters with three very important things. Remember this, your heart. Are you letting the devil make you waste time with your heart? Your gifts? Well, I don't, I don't want to share my gift because, you know, those people over there, you know, I, don't, I, 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 should be, I should be in the front and I get in the middle or the back and I'm not sharing my stuff. You know. It's like this and it's like that and it's like this and it's like that. Listen, you can sit on the sidelines. You can criticize. Let me tell you something. Critical people are nothing but dry roots. Gossips are nothing but dry roots. You will dry up. You will dry up. It's easy to sit on the sidelines of the game and say, look at what's wrong here, look at what's wrong here. Yeah, you go ahead and play and see if some 300-pound guy is trying to knock your head off. How many of that changes things when you're in the game? You see? So it's a big, big difference. And your calling, which I would say, listen, after being saved, there's nothing more precious to you and I than the call of God. You realize, you realize, okay, like, like the greatest gift God ever gave me after being saved is my wife. But when we get to heaven, she won't even be my wife. I always joke, they better put her on the other side because I'm going to be going, hey. So, so they better put me like, They got to put me way north so I could stay in the spirit in heaven. But yo, she'll just be my sister. My son will be my brother. But what's important is that they all come with me. How many say amen? Hallelujah. Don't, don't miss your calling. God wants to make us like trees. Don't miss your calling. Your calling is primarily established in the private place. Roots going down, getting the fuel, getting living water. This world has nothing but dead water. This world has nothing but polluted water, but Jesus has living waters. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay, here's the last thing, and we'll close with this. The will of God will bring us great joy. Just know, Jesus doesn't waste his words. In this story, he could have said a lot of things. Here's what he closes with. He closes with, what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. Are you part of the harvest field? 
Are you working? Are you serving? Are you serving in the kingdom of God? Are your gifts being used? Or do you come on Sunday, put your little time in, and then go, and off you go? How many know the body of Christ, the kingdom of God is great? And there will be joy unspeakable and full of glory who, for those who did the will of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, the Bible says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but he who does the will of God will live forever. Hallelujah. And I'll close with this. Listen. I believe that one day there's going to be an awards ceremony and it's going to be a lot more important than the Hall of Fame ceremony. We're all going to appear before the great judgment seat of Christ. And it will be at that time that he dishes out rewards and where he says, Come, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I want to tell you, we need to live for that day. We need to be driven by that day, by standing before him. And the way you live for then is by today, surrendering your life to the will of God. That's what makes us like trees. Come on, let's lift our hands to him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. I surrender. I surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I open up the altar today because I know from history and from personal experience that moments at the altar can be so defining when we surrender to the will of God. When we build an altar that's like a monument before God and says, this is the day, Lord, I yield my life to you. If you're here today and you, you're in need of revelation of God's plan and purpose, it begins with surrender. And maybe right now the wisest thing we could do is provide an opportunity for you to come to this altar and to surrender to God. Leaders are going to come and lay hands on you. If that's you, slip out of your seat. I mean, you can pray right where you are, but I just feel like we should open this altar. The Bible says come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. And God is going to reveal his will to his people today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, let's begin to sing. I surrender. I surrender, everyone. Get close because plenty are coming. I surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I surrender.
to do the will of the one who sent you and to finish that work. Make that our nourishment. Make that our fuel, O oh God. We thank you, Lord, that you offer us food that this world knows nothing about, O oh God. But send us that food. We want to go down deep, God. God bless our private lives with you. Give us a healthy root system in 2018, oh God. 
Help us, God. Teach us to grab hold of your will, oh God. Like the roots grab the ground, oh God. And like the roots stretch out for living water. Let this be a week where we drink the living water, oh God. Help us, God. Help us to get serious. Help us to get intense. Let it be the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for clarity. And day by day, Lord, you'll show us more and more. Release your people, God, to draw close to you, to, to yield to you. I thank you, Lord, that your will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And you promise that as we surrender, that revelation will come. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you, Lord, for everything that this moment means for our lives. We love you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, sisters, hug a few sisters, brothers, hug a few brothers. Hey, we hope to see you.